I'm sure we all share some of the same experiences. Maybe some of you had to wait and wait and beg and beg. and Maybe you had to save up some money yourself and you had to wait again and you bargained and you pleaded. Maybe you had to wait for a certain time. Maybe it was a particular birthday or maybe it was that Christmas morning you came to the tree. And there it was, wrapped in all its splendor with one bow. That was your bike. You remember that first bike? Oh, you rode that bike everywhere. You did jumps. You did races. You rode it with other kids who had bikes. Hopefully you didn't make fun of other kids who didn't have bikes. But I know some of y'all. But anyway, that was your bike. You loved that bike. You went everywhere with that bike. Tom and Jerry had taken you so far, but now you were free. I'm sure you also remember a few years later, you know, nothing's really wrong with the bike anymore. It's just, you know, I'm getting older, you know. I don't know if that bike really fits me anymore. You know, it's kind of tame. And surely you remember a few years after that, right? The bike's probably not there anymore. It's probably just a good memory. And either the bike got, you know, drafted into the family garage sale or got taken to the thrift store. Maybe you had to toss it. You probably had more bikes since then. But either way, you've moved on to bigger and better things. And what you want to be driving around doesn't have two wheels, does it? It's time to move on. And maybe then you remember a few years after that, you're sitting around with a, a friend or a group of people, and you know there's a task at hand that you have to take care of. There's something that needs to be done, and you're not quite sure how to handle it. You don't know if you can take care of it. You're kind of nervous not comfortable with it, someone who's there tells you, hey, don't worry. It's just like riding a bike. And immediately, you know, these visions of ramps and races pass through your mind, and you remember all the fun you had and how easy it was just to flip around and do all this other kind of stuff, and you think, okay, I can do this. It's as easy as riding a bike. Anybody remember that? In a lot of ways, I think that small illustration represents a lot of our relationships with God. Now, maybe you don't remember your baptism. Maybe you were an infant. Maybe you were just a a small child. Maybe you were an adult who made that decision later on, or maybe even a youth through confirmation. Maybe it wasn't baptism we're talking about. Maybe it's some you know, spiritual commitment that you made around a campfire or something. Sometime when you raised your hand, you said, Lord, you, you lead me where you need me. I am yours. Here I am. As powerful as those moments can be, as important as those moments can be. Baptism, we invite family and friends and we make a big deal and, and confirmation. We, we, we do all these things and we think about these commitments we're making and we have all of our emotion into it and we are so committed. But you know how it is. Sometimes we can leave that stuff back there. Not intentionally, but, you know, sometimes you just kind of move on to maybe... Bigger and better things. 
Now, maybe this sounds familiar to you also. I've done it. You're going to visit somebody, right? And it's time to leave. And you've done the handshakes and the hugs and the kisses and the goodbye, and you're walking out the door, and you're in the car, you're waving, and they're waving back at you. Bye! I'm glad you came. Don't wait so long to come back. And then almost invariably, nine times out of ten, you know what the next thing out of the mouth is? Be careful! And you're thinking, oh, man, messed up my plans, right? This is the day, you know, I'm going to put the kids in the car and go shoot off the, the, high, the high five, right? Just mess up with my day. Thanks a lot. Whatever. I don't know if we think about too much when we say that. I know some of you who have a few more years and kids and grandkids under your belt probably said that quite often. And those of us on the younger side, get ready. It's coming. But maybe what we, we mean when we say that is, you know, I know you're a good driver. I, I know you, you focus, you follow the speed limit. Look at you. All of you like, I know you drive really well, but not everybody else on the road does. So be careful. I know you pay attention. You don't text while you drive. I know you put the makeup away, but not everybody else does. Be careful. Hmm? Now, I am sure that the Apostle Paul had no thought in his mind about bicycles or automobile rides as he's writing the letter to the Ephesian church. Or like we said last week, uh, writing this letter that was meant for uh, most of the church. Anybody who could get a hold of it. I am sure, I am sure that those things weren't on his mind. But I think in a way he gives us sort of the same message. If, if, if you saw the first words we read out of Ephesians. Do you remember what they were? Take a wild guess. Be careful! Not to live as unwise, but wise people. Be careful! I know I trained you right, and I know you got this God stuff, and you go to church and all that, but not everybody else in your life does. Be careful. I know you got a good head on your shoulders. You know where you want to go. But you know what? Not everybody wants you to get there. Be careful. I know you wouldn't say nothing bad about anybody. You wouldn't say a lie to nobody. But people can put you in some real tight spots, so... careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise people. But you know, it's not just being careful for our own sake. It's also for the sake of others. Now, I want you to write this down. When you go home, I want you to look it up. It's your homework for the day. <laughs> Nobody moved at all. I ain't writing down nothing. <laughs> Colossians 4, 5. 
I want you to go look that up and you look at the similarities between what we read in Ephesians and that passage when you get home today. And what you will see is that our lives are not just about us. I know that hurts some of our feelings, but our lives are also for those around us. You see, the things we say, things we do, things we spend our time on, things we spend our money on, things we don't spend our money on, the attitudes we give, the faces we make, all these kinds of things gives everyone else an impression of who we think God is. That sounds at all familiar to you. Give yourself a round of applause. That's exactly what we said last week. But it's still true. <laughs> Isn't it? Be careful. All right, John. Be careful. Don't live as unwise, but live as wise. All right, John. What does it mean to be wise? Well, it can be taken a couple different ways. Surely, you know, wisdom and, and, and learning and growing, you know, your brain is a gift from God. It's okay to use it. It's okay to build it up. It's okay to learn this stuff. Certainly, it's okay to have wisdom about this, about life, about faith, about people. That's fine. But more, I think, in the biblical sense, what wisdom is, is what we said at the beginning of our service. Do you all remember that? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Now, this fear of the Lord stuff, it's not none of this, you know, I'll meet you outside in the parking lot kind of fear. None of this, oh, you don't know what you've gotten yourself into kind of fear. None of this, oh, I read that Old Testament. Some of that stuff's pretty tough. I'd be scared of God, too. That's not what we're talking about here. Fear of the God that we're looking at is do this for me. If you can, remember your baptism. Or remember one of those strong faith commitments you had. Or remember that person in your family that, that, that was so, so sick, that was healed. Or, 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 or those friends whose, whose marriage was broken, but you've, you saw God turned around. Remember that. Remember that person that you knew was addicted and overcame it. Re- remember some of those things for me real quick. Remember some of the times you've looked out you know, a window, you think, Whoa, look at all these oak trees or hills. Or times you've looked up and you see miles and miles and miles and miles, miles of creation. And you know there's so much more you don't see. And when you can put all those things together, and when you can remember that every good and perfect gift comes from God, and when you can stir all those things together, and the only thing you can come up with is, That is the fear of the Lord. To be in awe of God. To be thankful 
to God. To be able to see everything God is doing in your life and in the world and just be Don't let me assume anything about any of you. Don't let me assume, please, that you can see good in yourself. Don't let me assume that you can see good in the world around you right now. Don't let me assume that you know or you believe that you were created in the image of God. Don't let me assume that, okay? But let me tell you something this morning. You are created in the image of God. There is something good in you. I remember going to a school assembly of all places and getting a flyer that says, I know I'm somebody because God don't make no junk. There is beauty in you. Now, part of our responsibility after we know that to take all that good and to nurture it and to translate it and to rework it into good outside for others as well. So they can know the same thing. Now I'd love to tell you that if you decided today, you know what, fear God. Sign me up. I'm, you know, God is awesome. How can you ignore God? I would love to tell you, all right, when you come back, it's just like riding a bike, y'all. That's not always true. And even if it were true, if I think back on some of my bike riding experiences, for as much fun as I had, for as much joy that I got out of riding that bike or riding all those bikes, I can remember being flipped over the handle wheels more than once, more than twice. I can remember a few ramps that didn't bode too well with me. I can remember my knees bleeding more than once, more than twice. For as much good as that bike brought me, you better believe it brought me a lot of pain, too. That's life, isn't it? That's life. But let me tell you this morning. Get up off the ground and get back on your bike. And let me remind you, you're going to fall down again. We're all going to fall down again. But what I don't want us to do is what so many other people do. We wait until we fall down to say, God, I need you. I need you to pick me back up. Don't get me wrong. God's there. Don't wait for that. Don't wait until all fails, but you accept Christ and his love, you be fearful of God before all else fails. When we come here, that's what we're doing. We're not trying to ignore anything that's going to happen. We're not trying to avoid what we are doing is preparing ourselves to understand, to be ready for, and to hit it as God's people. That's exactly what Solomon did. Here's this young, maybe, maybe 20-year-old king taking the place of his dad, King David. Lord, I'm going to need you. 
And you get on that bike and you start riding. But let me tell you, be careful. 